Let's turn in God's Word once more. We're turning tonight to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 7. We're going to read from verse 11. Luke chapter 7. We're at verse 11. Follow with me in the reading. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain. Many of his disciples went with him, and much people. And now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the briar, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. He that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear and all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. And the disciples of John showed him of all these things. Amen. We'll end the reading there in verse 18. And we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own infallible and inerrant word. Now my text tonight is taken from Luke chapter 7, verses 11, right through to verse 16. And my subject this evening is Christ's care and compassion for a grieving widow. Now this event we have read together is only recorded in the Gospel of Luke. This is one of three instances in the Bible where our Lord Jesus Christ raised a dead person to life. And like the others, the raising of Jairus' daughter, the raising of Lazarus after being dead for four days, this is regarded as one of the greatest miracles ever wrought on the earth by Christ himself. Remember in eastern countries, to this day, because of the intense heat, the dead are buried immediately. That is without delay. Within a 24-hour period, you could die in the morning and be buried in the evening, the evening of the same day. It's possible to be speaking to a man in the morning, asking him how he is. He could tell you he's well, he's this, he's that. And it's possible 
to hear of the same man the next day, having been died and been buried and the funeral arrangements over. Funeral arrangements in the days of Christ are very simple. There were no coffins as we know it. The remains of the deceased were wrapped up in appropriate clothing for the occasion. That They had no hearse. Uh, they had a simple number of people carry the body on, on what they called a bier or, or, or that was a, a, a board with uh, sides on it. Uh, and they were followed by the family and by the mourners. Now, of course, the Jews didn't bury their dead uh, among the living. That is inside the city or inside the, the town precincts. They always took the remains outside the village, outside the town, outside the city. And they would have entered into some cave or, or uh, some hollow place hewn out in a, 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 in a tomb, maybe a limestone rock, for example, and they would have placed the body there. Now here in Luke 7, 11 to 16, we've got one such funeral in the days of the Lord Jesus. This funeral, of course, was a very sad, traumatic, distressing occasion for the family. This was the funeral of a young man who had apparently died in the prime of life. Moreover, he was the only son in the family. That, that There was no one left. There was no other brothers or, or sisters. And to make matters worse, and maybe sadder in a sense, and more sorrowful, his mother was a widow. She had already buried her husband. She had been at a time past to the cemetery and back. Now the Bible speaks of the mourning for an only son as the most bitter of lamentations. This was a bitter pill. This was a big blow to this woman. Now, this, of course, was a big funeral, because we read there in uh, Luke chapter 7, it says in verse 12, and much people of the city was with her. Many, no doubt, were in shock at what happened. They gathered to express their deepest sympathy, to show their support to this widow woman. You can often think of the handshake, think of the hugs, think of the words that were said by the different mourners to the family. Think, 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 think of the, the, the waves that were shown towards this widow woman. Now here they are, and they're making their way to the cemetery itself, and just as they come to the gate about to leave the city, they were met by another crowd. They were met by the Lord Jesus, who was also coming into the city with a big crowd of people. It's now what it says in verse 11, And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now I want you to get the picture. Here are two great possessions of people. And they're meeting as it were head on. The Lord Jesus and his disciples with a vast crowd going in. This poor widow. This woman who was in mourning. The, the loss of her only son. And a vast crowd going out carrying this beer. Uh, with the, the body wrapped in clothes on top. And of course, at that point, the stage is set for these two crowds to meet. A 
at the gate of the city. The stage was set for one of the most notable and remarkable miracles that the Lord Jesus ever performed in the days of his humiliation. He did something that no other man dared to do. You know what he did? He stopped the funeral procession. Isn't that amazing? He went over to the widow. He not only saw her, he not only spoke to her, but he supported her by stopping that funeral procession. He showed that he cared. He showed his comfort. He said to the young man, having touched the coffin, I say unto thee, arise. We read in verse 15, And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he, that's Christ, delivered him to his mother. And what was the result? Great fear came upon all. They glorified God. They said, this is a great prophet risen up amongst us. And listen to these words. And that God had visited his people. Now for a time tonight, I just want us to meditate on Christ's care and compassion for a grieving widow. And how appropriate it is for the congregation thinking about death, the loss of a child, and the loss of a second sister to the Graham family. Notice three things. One, the painful mourning of the widow. Now look at verse 12. And when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. I want you to think of this vast crowd and they're in mourning. And they're making their way through the city in a woeful, sorrowful state. And they're proceeding along a known pathway through the city toward the gate and then on to the cemetery to lay to rest the earthly remains of this loved one, deceased. Isn't that a scene we're all familiar with? Isn't that a scene we've experienced? Isn't that a scene we've witnessed? It's a scene that's not unusual to us. And yet the reality is that it happens so frequently, we become so familiar with these things, it fails to impress us. Doesn't the Bible say in Ecclesiastes 7, it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting? Where would you rather go? The house of merriment or the house of mourning? The Bible says it's better to go to the house of mourning. Why? Because it brings home to our heart the reality of our own mortality. It brings home to our heart that one day we'll all die. It brings home to our heart that we're to live a night of eternity. And of course, these are all lessons and many more that we, that we fail to learn. Ask yourself, why was the crowd there? And here's the answer. Behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. It's a funeral of a young man. We're not informed how he died. Might have been by disease. Could have been by an accident. But we know that he was a young man. And we know that he was cut off in the prime of life. The young man's dead. Been carried along to the place of the dead be placed in the darkness of the tomb 
And you know, that scene, that thought is really an illustration of all men and women tonight before God in their natural state. This young man was dead physically. And we have a right to ask, well, well, why did he die? Behold, there was a dead man carried out. Why did he die? Funerals are sorrowful occasions. Isn't it difficult to imagine anything more distressing and more traumatic as an occasion than the funeral and the death of a young boy or a child? Why do we die? Well, the Bible gives the answer. Young people, Bible gives the answer. Romans 5 and 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. From one end of the world to the other. This is the history of families. From the very first family. Think of the first family. Adam and Eve. Cain and Abel and Seth. And didn't Cain rise up to slay Abel? The very first family experienced death. The murder of a loved one by the hand of another loved one. What a bitter blow and a big pill for Adam and Eve to swallow. From the very first family. We could trace it right down, I believe, the corridors of time, the history of every family, right to the last family. It's a history of woe, sorrow and the men. Because of sin in the world, there's tears, there's pain, there's sickness, there's poverty, there's disease, there's sweat, there's toil, there's death. The young man was dead. Behold, there was a dead man carried out. And you know, that's a deeper meaning. Every man, woman, young person, boy or girl, in the world, apart from divine grace, they're dead to God. Dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2 and 1. And you have the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Dead to God. Dead to the gospel. Dead to the claims of Christ. Dead to the call of God to repent and believe the gospel. Dead to the voice of the Lord. Like, like, like Pharaoh, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Here's a, a young corpse. And spiritually, this young man, of course, was dead from the day he was born. The Bible teaches us, for we all must needs die. Children will die. The boys and girls will die. Young people, middle-aged, the old, infirm. We're all been born along as fast as our legs can take us toward Death and eternity. James asks the question, for what is your life? And he answers it. It is even as a vapour that appeareth for a little time and then vanish away. There's a description of it. There's the duration of a man that is born of woman, the Bible says, is a few days and full of trouble as the sparks fly upward. Let me tell you this little story. An open-air preacher was preaching about the burden of sin he was singing, would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. 
power in the blood. And these young fellows, they decided, we're going to mock the preacher. And they asked him, well, preacher, how much does it weigh? He said, what, 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 weigh what? And they said, well, you're talking about the burden of sin. How much does it weigh? Ten pounds? Forty pounds? More? How do you quantify it? And this is what he said. He said, tell me, young man, if I laid 400 pound weight on a dead man's chest, would he feel it? No, the young man and young men cried out. He said, why would they not feel it? And here was the answer, because he's dead. And he said, you're right. A dead man can feel no load, can feel no burden of sin. But if you're born of the Spirit, one of the signs that you're born of the Spirit is you have the burden of sin. There was a sign hanging in a church one time, this graveyard is reserved for the dead who are living in this parish. And there's men living in parishes all over Northern Ireland and beyond, but the reality is they're spiritually dead to God. You are children here. What is your life? Life's all about important decisions, isn't it? Deciding about career and about college and thinking later on, who, who will I marry? Is he going to be a nice boy? Will he be a rich boy? Uh, where, where will I live? Um, th these are questions that we all ask. But what's important? What really matters is this. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You have a soul. Don't put riches or home or car or holidays or honour before anything else. Because the chief thing is, how will you die? Will you die in Christ? When will you die? Boast not thyself of tomorrow. No man knows what a day may bring forth. The Bible says, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. And it's vital that you're in Christ. It's vital that you're saved, even as a child. That this young man was dead, and and the fact that he was dead um, is a is a sense of being spiritually dead to God. Behold, there was a dead man carried out, carried out into eternity, and yet dead to God, dead in sin. Jesus said, "If you die in your sins, where I am, there you cannot be." Do you know many children are saved early in life? Life of Isaac Watts, David Brainard, Robert Moffat, the great missionary, Jonathan Edwards, saved at the age of seven, Corrie Ten Boom, uh, a woman who survived the Jewish Holocaust, Dr. Paisley himself at the age of six, many others as children all got saved. The painful mourning of the widow, the young man was dead. Notice, secondly, very quickly, the, the powerful meeting with, with the widow. It, it says in verse 12, Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out. You see, the Lord Jesus, as this crowd of mourners went out, the Lord Jesus met them coming out, at the gate in Nain. 
And you know, the city of Nain's only mentioned once in the Bible. Did you know that? And it's only mentioned because the Lord Jesus went into a city called Nain and met the widow woman at the gate. There was a powerful meeting with the widow, and it happened at the gate. It wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't a chance. It wasn't by accident. I believe the Lord Jesus planned to be there at that moment. See, if he'd been a few minutes early, he would have passed through the gate into the city. If he'd been a few minutes late, they would have passed out through the gate and on toward the cemetery. He came at exactly the right time. Listen to verse 11. And it came to pass the next day after that he went into a city called Nain. And they travelled 25 miles from where he was. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. He came exactly at the right time. And the Bible says this. If you look again at verse 13, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. Now, I want you to notice this. When he came, he saw her. He saw a broken-hearted widow whose world had been shattered. A woman in mourning. A woman in bitterness. A woman tearful. Look at the words. Weep not. And if you think of the word weep, then this woman was weeping. She was facing a traumatic, bitter experience. Do you know all we know about this woman? Two things. She was a mother and she was a widow. That's all we know. Facing a crowd with tears streaming down her face. No name given. A woman destitute. A woman now desolate, her only son dead. A woman who's already experienced the death of a husband. And remember in those days there was no welfare state, no one to provide. And here's the Lord Jesus and what do we read? And when the Lord saw her. Was she just an ordinary woman? Felt that she was nobody special? Maybe you feel like that in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your pain. I'm a nobody. I'm just an ordinary soul. I don't have a, a great education. Lord, I, I, I'm nobody special. Could I tell you tonight? You're special to the Lord Jesus. We, we were singing, Does Jesus care? When my heart is pained too deeply for mirth or song, as the burdens press and the cares distress, and the day grows weary and long. Here's the answer. Oh, yes, he cares. I, I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. You see, he was interested in her. He saw her. He was interested in her need. And he came with his compassions which feel not. He came with his care and his heart went out to her. Maybe you're here tonight and your burdens are heavy. Your problems are complex. Your troubles are many. And tears roll down your cheeks. I want to tell you, 
There's a Saviour who sees you. And he knows all about you. And he has compassion and he cares. A woman broken hearted with a heavy heart and they saw her. Not only did he see her, but he had a word for her. He spoke to her. This is what he said. Weep not. Isn't that lovely? A woman felt I've no husband now. A woman feeling my only son, I'm going to lay him to rest in the cemetery. No one's going to come on Mother's Day and say, Mummy, we'll get through this together. You imagine the strength and the help that that boy was to his mother when she buried her husband. Just the, the husband and her and the son in the family unit. The Saviour had a word for her. And what was his first word? Weep not. You see, the Lord has a word for you. There's 7,300 promises in the book and every one are yea and amen to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And the Lord not only sees by way of pity, but the Lord, because of that pity, takes commensurate action and his action is to speak his word. Getting a word from God in that situation that will strengthen and help. Aye, and more than that, he supported her. This is what he did. And he came and touched the bier. They that bear him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. The Lord Jesus gave life, restored life to this young man. Isn't it true that no one can ease the pain but Christ? Here's the Lord Jesus. Raising a son from the dead. Stopping a funeral cortege. Giving a life restoring call. Giving, giving a touch. Do you know when we gather on a Sunday. And the word of God is preached. Morning and evening. In the proclamation of the word of God, because the Bible says it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. There's a call of God to the dead to awake. There's a call of God to live. There's a message, there's life for a look at the crucified one. There's life at this moment for me. Well, yes, this is impossible with men. Or impossible with men, but, but it's possible with God. Over there in John's Gospel, if you look at it very quickly, John chapter 5, and, and look with me at verse 25. Listen to what it says. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. He has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. And shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And isn't that the testimony of every believer? I was called of God. I was dead to God. No knowledge of sin. Not, not feeling that burden. And all of a sudden, the Lord came into my life. 
I heard the Lord speak to me. What about you tonight? It says of Christ, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. Christ is knocking at your heart's door. He's been knocking for a long time. He's been waiting. And you have planned to ask to men. You have that thought in your mind. I'll do it. You haven't yet done it. Why not? Do you know one day he's going to raise all men in the last day. When that day is. And he'll do it by his part. And they that are dead are going to hear his voice to come forth. Just like Lazarus came forth out of the tomb. He supported her by touching the coffin. And restoring life to her son. And there's many tonight who long for household salvation. They have loved ones that are physically alive but dead to God. And they long for them to hear the voice of God calling them to repent and to faith in Christ. The powerful meeting with the widow. And one final thought in the few minutes that we have left. Not only the pitiful mourning of the widow. and The powerful meeting with the widow. But I want you to think of the, the purposeful memory of the widow. You see, this was a day that she was never going to forget. If you go back to Luke chapter 7, it says in verse 16, And there came a fear in all. They glorified God, saying that a great prophet has risen up amongst us, and that God had visited his people. Isn't that what we want? This funeral was broken up because there was a display of the power and the compassion of Christ. And Christ never changes. And his power is still the same. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today and forever. And his compassions, we read, they feel not. And his heart is still compassionate. His, his heart is still sympathetic. There's still love in his heart. Even for, 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 for those that are dead in trespasses and sins. Are you facing tonight maybe days of sorrow, days of pain, days of death, days of sickness? Let's remember there's a compassionate, sympathetic Savior who has power to work on our behalf. Who, who can cause fear in our hearts, the awe and reverence of God. Who can help us to glorify and bless God. Surely the hymn writer's right, there is no friend. Like the friend of Jesus. There's no comfort like Christ's comfort. No strength like his. No grace but the grace of God. I think of this company. Big crowd of people with the woman. Can you imagine them coming to her home that morning? They're embracing her. They're weeping with her. They're saying we'll pray for you. They're shaking her by the hand. And they're saying what time's the funeral leaving? They're planning to be there. And they're there in their numbers. And it's all to do with the expression of sympathy. And that's right. But those mourners couldn't change the heart of that woman. Her heart ached. Her tears flowed. Her future was bleak and dark. Then the Lord steps in. Jesus puts forth his power. There's the touch of Christ. And it makes all the difference. What a difference it is when Jesus steps in, when it says that God hath visited his people. Isn't that what we want for Carrie Duff? You know, that's what we want in our congregation. That's what we want for our community. That's what we want for the country. But that's what we want for you tonight. 
the Lord to visit you. Do you know why? Because when the Lord visits you, he'll make all the difference. And it will be a purposeful memory etched in your mind. You'll never forget it. Has that been your experience? Do you treasure those moments in your mind when the Lord has stepped in and he's made all the difference? And there's a fear of God now in your heart. And and there's a glory given to the Lord. And there's a testimony. The Lord has visited me. The Lord has done this for me. It's not the expression of the psalmist, the Lord has done marvellous things for us. For off we are glad. You see, isn't that the testimony of a Christian? Spiritually dead to God, no fear, thought, and regard for God. And then all of a sudden the Lord steps in. The Lord's touch is upon us. The Lord's voice is heard. He calls us to life. And now we're spiritually awake. Now we're alive. Now we're regenerated. Now we're converted. Now we've got the love of God in our soul. Now we're changed. But our journey towards heaven and home, and we've got assurance. There's a purposeful memory. And how do we know? Because it's here recorded in the Bible. I finish. It's only recorded once. It's only recorded by Dr. Luke. And it's all about the testimony of the widow of Nain's son. Whom Jesus cared for. And had compassion upon. And may we know that care. And that compassion. And may that be in our memory. This is what the Lord has done for me. May the Lord bless these few words to our hearts.